health is a crisis. I'm surprised that, I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but people are not calling the mental health issue a crisis. They're calling it an issue. And no, this is a crisis. We have a homelessness crisis. We had a pandemic crisis. We have a mental health crisis. And the same things we were doing with the other crises are the same things we should be doing now, which is throw the kitchen sink at it, throw your mama at it, throw your grandma at it, throw whatever you got to do at it so that we can make sure that we stop the bleeding. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Sacktown Talks. Today, we're glad to be joined by Assemblymember Dr. Corey Jackson. Corey, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Thank you for having me and having a great time. Yeah, so you're new here this year. Mm-hmm. You just got elected, right? So how's it been kind of coming up to Sacramento and kind of getting to work? Well, number one, um, I have been gracious enough to be introduced to so many great colleagues in the legislature. Uh, they welcome me with open arms, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, learning a lot from them. Uh, but also, you know, just here to make sure that I'm up for the challenge. And uh, I, I love the various people I'm able to talk to, the various issues I'm able to uh, tackle and learn about. Um, and so, so far, I know where the bathrooms are, and I know where the free snacks are. So I'm having the time of my life. Yeah, it looks like you guys got some special cookies yesterday mm-hmm. from uh, Josh Lowenthal. Did you get one of those? With I absolutely did. I absolutely yeah. did. Anytime there's a sweet next to me, right. I'm going to try it. You got you know in college you used to uh, you know warn you about the freshman fifteen. Same thing's true here. It's not as bad because there's not as many free food events, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you got to watch that. You know, you do have to, and I am on a. I had to change my eating schedule yep. for sure. That's funny. Uh, so Corey, for for some of our listeners who don't know a little bit about your background or your history, can you kind of give us a little uh, bit into your history and kind of how you got up here to Sacramento? Sure. Well, I'm an Inland Empire boy all the way. I've lived in the Inland Empire practically my entire life. Um, I spent the majority of my life in the city of Rialto uh, in San Bernardino County from third grade until I was 30. Wow. And then when I was 30, I moved into Moreno Valley, which is the anchor city in the newest 60th Assembly District. Um, probably some things that is important is that I was raised by a village. Um By the time I um, left for school, my mom was coming in from work. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was she worked the night shift as a nurse. Um, And then, you know, so as I was leaving, I was raised by a group of people who took me under their wing and showed me there's other possibilities out there besides playing in sports and uh, set me up to where I am today. Right. Um, I'm a trained social worker. And so I have my master's and my doctorate in social work. Um, I spent the last 10 years of my life um, founding and building a nonprofit organization called SBX Youth and Family Services, uh, specializing in youth development uh, programs and community development uh, programs. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Like, I don't, I don't know how often we have someone with your background who comes up here and is actually a member because, you know, we have so many programs and we give so much money to these programs, but you know, how many of it actually trickles down and actually have experience, I guess, implementing and, and kind of dealing with these programs. So that's, that's gotta be pretty cool, uh, kind of background experience for you now to come up here and kind of, kind of see the budget workings or kind of talk about, well, this works, but if maybe we tweak something like this, maybe, you know, this should be done. 
Can you kind of talk to kind of talk about that and your experience and how it might help you up here? Well, from a unique perspective, not only from the social work lens, but also from the nonprofit lens, when you spend a decade um, interfacing with people in the community, interfacing with young people and mm-hmm. their families and seeing how uh, they interact with the systems that we fund or don't fund. Right. Um, you begin to understand how policy translate to how things are going, what things are happening on the ground. Um, and so when I came up here, I already had at least 20 bill ideas on my own because I spent the last 10 years saying right. this should be fixed. This right. should be fixed. Right. But I couldn't have no one. I couldn't uh, convince someone to listen to me. Mm-hmm. So I've been building my list for a while. <laughs> and um, so I came up here. And so I have, you know, a a, a very diverse legislative package mm-hmm. this year and Probably out of 22 to 24 bills, only two or three of them are sponsored bills. The rest are the ideas that and the issues that I've seen in my life. That's interesting. You know, a a lot of us, you know, don't know kind of a lot about your district and kind Mm -hmm. of the area. Uh, Can you kind of, I guess, describe your district to us and kind of, you know, who served, you know, prior to you when you came in and kind of just kind of geography of kind of where you're from? Sure. Well, the 60th Assembly District are the cities of Moreno Valley, Paris, Hemet, and San Jacinto um, in Riverside County. Uh, During the redistricting process, a brand new district was created. Mm -hmm. And so it is half of uh, former Assemblymember Jose Medina's district and half of um, Assemblymember Chad Mays' district. Okay. Very diverse and beautiful district. Mm -hmm. Of course, hardworking people just trying to survive. Um, There is a part of the district where there's a lot of government workers and, you know, they've upper middle class folks as well. Um, But you have a larger city like Marino Valley. That's over uh, 200,000 people. Um, You have, uh, we have dairy farms and citrus and egg, egg uh, farms as well in the district as well. Um, and then you have smaller, um, more suburban uh, type cities as well. And so it is a fantastic place. Um, it's also the district with the largest African-American population. About 15 percent of the district is African-American okay, as well. Um, and, you know, a growing API community, mm-hmm. especially Filipino community, Samoan, Tongan. Right. Um, a growing Muslim community as well. Um, and so I love it. Yeah. I love the diversity and I, I love the uh, challenge of meeting the diverse needs of the district. Yeah. You know, you're kind of talking about how you've, you know, always had these kind of bill ideas and you kind of been kind of saving them. Mm-hmm. Kind of what finally got you to, to kind of run for assembly and kind of seize mm-hmm. this opportunity? Well, I told you that it was hard for me to get people to listen and right. do the bills. So I said, well, hell, I'll do it myself. Yeah. So, you know, I decided that it, it was time. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the non- my nonprofit to a place where it could be self-sufficient. It has a life of its own. Um, and I was ready for another stage in my life. And I think that we're in a unique time in history. Um, since the um, murder of George Floyd, we have seen uh, that uh, this nation and this state has to continue to reckon with itself. Mm-hmm. And there's some issues that keep being passed from one generation to the next. And I think I have the unique background and education uh, to be able to make sure that 
for at least some of these issues. Um, let this be the generation that solves it. Right. You know, as you're kind of talking about, like you're, a, you know, a civil rights leader, but you focus mm-hmm. most of your career on youth development. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what progress have you seen made in kind of in your communities or just statewide kind of on youth development issues? Well, we need, I, I think the progress that we've seen is more of a positive youth, um, youth development perspective. Um, and that just means that we recognize that children are children mm-hmm. and children do interesting things. <laughs> right. And the only difference between me and you and someone else that might be in juvenile hall right now is that uh, we were able to make our mistakes um, in safe environments mm-hmm. and they were not. Right. Um, I mean, I can't, I think there's enough opportunity to understand that the brain continues to develop until your twenties. Right. And when it comes to uh, young men, I think yeah. women would agree probably a little older right. than that <laughs> until we can get our act together yeah. uh, as men. Uh, but I think that overall we understand that um, just as the brain continues to develop, uh, so does a development of a young person. Uh, that comes with it um, and that um, we have to make sure that there's more positive ways to correct for bad habits from forming. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a more healthier, holistic way on dealing with these things. Uh, but punishment is not the answer. Right. And so to de-incarcerate our young people, to provide a safety net for our young people in terms of caring adults throughout the community that can help guide them and help them recover from the mistakes that they've made. Right. Making sure that they live in healthy households and there's plenty of resources for them to tap into. All of those things are youth development practices, positive youth development practices um, that um, I tapped into. So my first program that I created was a youth mentoring program in the school on school sites. Um, and by the time it was for me time for me to run for election, some of them were actually voting by then, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so uh, I focused on youth development because number one, if it wasn't for youth development and me having my own mentor right. to recruit me into a mentoring program. Um, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, just talking to, to some people and, you know, we have this huge homelessness crisis. Yeah. A lot of people are noticing that a lot of these people on the streets are, are very young. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of the people, you know, you're referring to that maybe didn't get the help they needed. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I guess in your experience, kind of what, what do you see that, you know, we're missing out here on the youth that may be contributing to some of this kind of homeless population we're seeing? Well, some of the things, and I'll be actually trying to address some of these things this year in the legislature is, we have to understand that if we catch certain signs now, we mm-hmm. can prevent these things from happening in the future, right? Um, we are in a mental health crisis, and, and this crisis is just as comparable uh, to um, our homelessness part crisis, mm-hmm. just as comparable to the pandemic. Um, the amount of people that we're losing due to mental health um, is astounding, Uh, to the point where it's contributing to the cost, um, not the cost, but the lifespan, the life expectancy of Americans for the first time is shrinking instead of expanding. Mm -hmm. That's how serious our mental health crisis is. So we need to do a better job in screening for mental health issues. That might start off as anxiety, might start off as 
mild depression, right? But can lead to even more serious things if it's not addressed early on. Right. And so I think that making sure that young people are um, supported more on the school site and encouraged to continue to find a way to have upward economic mobility, um, which is not just education and going to college, but also career development programs, right? Connecting them with mentors and showing them the way on how to build a life, right? Some of us remember uh, learning on how to balance budgets and things like that while we were in school. They don't do that anymore, right? Uh, But we need to return to those type of things to create a stronger foundation so it's harder to go into homelessness. Mm -hmm. So it's harder to develop more serious mental health issues. And so it's um, harder to even be incarcerated. Right. So, you know, you've been named chair of uh, human services. Congratulations. Uh, Can you kind of talk about what that kind of role means for you and kind of what your goals are for this session? Sure. Well, I was fortunate to be only one of six freshmen in the legislature to actually chair a committee. And uh, the speaker thought it would probably be a good idea to have the social only social worker uh, in the in the assembly, at least uh, to head it since I, you know, this is my expertise. Right. And so I was grateful for it. Didn't ask for it, but I'm grateful for it mm-hmm. uh, to be able to look at all the programs that serve the most vulnerable populations um, in our state. So our disability community, um, our poor, um, our foster care Mm -hmm. children, um, you know, those who might be facing food scarcity, um, all of those things fit in the purview um, of the committee. And so whether it's um, making sure that we set our foster people foster young people in our child welfare programs more set up for success. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's been great champions of that over the years. I want to be able to continue on that work, whether it is our seniors and our aging population in terms of home health uh, services, whether it's um, making sure that um, people who are in our Cal works and Cal fresh programs are um, supported um, with a, well-rounded source of services so that they can begin their own path to upward economic mobility and in some cases even breaking the cycles of poverty itself. Uh, Those are the purviews of the Human Services Committee. Yeah. You know, last year we had this big budget windfall, like a hundred billion dollars that those were the good days, but then I come up here and they say it's over. Yeah. And you know, I I know you've been around long enough uh, that maybe you remember some of those bad days. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, as we were talking off camera, you said you started kind of in this in kind of 2010. I guess that was right, right after the bad stuff, but right lot, after the great of the recession. Bad stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of, you know, I'm sure you've had a chance to look at the budget and maybe mm-hmm. um, talking to some folks. Kind of what what have you seen in the budget so far? And is there anything that concerns you um, in regards to kind of some of the you know social working things that might be affected? Well, luckily, um, the core safety net is preserved. Mm -hmm. Some delays in continuing to strengthen it are in the budget right now. But in my case, I I look at the budget a little bit differently. 
And because I remember the Great Recession. Right. And I remember when people were thinking about well, what has to be cut, what should be preserved and those type of things. Mm-hmm. And one thing is clear to me right now. I think we still have for a so-called slim, lean budget. We have a lot of fat to still trim off as I look more into mm-hmm. the budget. We're subsidizing and paying for things that I'm not sure we would say is a priority um, at the expense of other programs that can literally save lives, mm-hmm. that can literally extend the lives of other people. And so I want to have, I'm looking for a robust conversation. I'm fortunate enough to be on the budget committee as well uh, to talk about, well, we're not willing to pay for this, but why are we paying for that then? Right. I I know how it feels when your paycheck is short mm-hmm. and you got a lot of bills coming in. Right. And so the question with this budget isn't whether this is a good program or whether this is a bad program. The, that's the conversations you can have during more money than you can spend mm-hmm. years. In a lean year, you have to have the discussion about not good or bad but what's more important than another, right? Right. There are some things that are about, you know, whether you eat right, or whether you have Showtime and HBO, mm-hmm. right? There's still some Showtimes and HBO in the budget. Right. And so don't tell me this is I a lean think, year unless yeah. you're willing to get rid of that. I think we saw on Twitter a couple of people were upset that some agencies were running Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> uh, I, I think we all know what you mean. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, kind of, I, I guess in your experience, it always seems like, especially you know, maybe you'll experience this with kind of your bills and your bill packages. Mm-hmm. It always, you know, there's things you can do that don't cost money, but it also it always seems like you know to really implement some of this stuff, it costs money. I guess. Um, you know, for some of the proposals you have or ideas, are there ways or some ways you think you can do things more efficiently and kind of, you know, deliver a better product to, to the end, end goal in a more efficient manner that will be better and serve? Or, you know, do you think it's really necessary that we, you know, expand and, and spend more? I think there needs to be, I mean, we've thrown a lot of money at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So we're still not sure whether the things that we're deciding to continue to fund that's been expansions since right. the Great Recession, we're not sure yet which ones are more effect what which ones are effective or not. Right. And so my focus during a lean year, right, is finding out what are the most effective ones so we can do more of that. Right. And get rid of the things that were good ideas, good pilots, mm-hmm. right? It was a good try. Okay, but the data doesn't show right. that we should be keeping this. So let's use this so we can put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I'm looking for and that I'm looking at. I'm only finishing up my second month right. in this job, so I still got a lot more studying to do. Yeah, so we're coming up to the, the bill introduction deadline. Yeah. Can you kind of talk to us about your kind of bill package and kind of your experience kind of introducing your first bills? Well, I'm having a great time with it. Um, I am... Uh, there's about three or four big buckets that I would put my bills in Mm -hmm. from a social justice, um, social worker perspective. Um, I will have, 
a couple of bills dealing with uh, systemic racism and hate and xenophobia, dealing with, you know, uh, the soul of our state. Then I'll have a, a bucket that talks about just, number one, recognizing that mental health is a crisis. No one, I'm surprised that, I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but people are not calling the mental health issue a crisis. They're calling it an issue. Mm-hmm. And no, this is a crisis. We have a homelessness crisis. We had a pandemic crisis. We have a mental health crisis. And the same things we were doing with the other crises are the same things we should be doing now, which is th- throw the kitchen sink at it, throw your mama at it, throw your grandma at it, throw whatever you got to do at it so that we can make sure that we stop the bleeding mm-hmm. and stabilize the population. Third, child care, big issue. Um, and in the Inland Empire, um, air quality is right. another issue that we need to deal with because we have too many young people, uh, a record number of young people going to the emergency room due to uncontrolled asthma. Um, and while we are the um, loading dock of the country, uh, when it comes to the Inland Empire and the goods movement, um, there's a lot of harms that have come with that. Yeah. And I, I think it's time for us to get some relief. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Is, is a lot of people don't think about the Inland Empire being kind of a hub like that. But mm-hmm. I get, you know, when you think about it, you have all these boats coming into Long Beach mm-hmm. and they bring all these products in from, you know, China and these other countries that, mm-hmm. you know, then get shipped all across our own country. And of course, that means a lot of trucks uh, carrying diesel fuel and stuff. Kind of, you know, as you noted, the air quality in your district is very bad. Um, kind of what, what are some of the solutions that you think need to be brought there to kind of help clean the air in your district? Well, I, I think that the, the, the bill that I'll be proposing is to expedite the uh, transition um, of our trucks to more cleaner fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, we all remember during the pandemic when everyone stopped driving because we had to all stay home. Right. And how clean the air got. Matter of fact, it got so clean uh, you started to see goats coming out of the mountains. You start to see bears take over, yeah. you know. I mean, you really saw what happens when humans just get out the way. Things get cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And so about in the in the Inland Empire, close to 60% of our bear air quality is attributed to diesel. Wow. Right. And so my bill focuses on uh, providing more incentives um, and mandates for trucks to transition to cleaner fuels Mm -hmm. uh, so that um, if we're going to continue to be uh, the housing of goods of the nation, uh, then at least the the impacts won't be as great. Yeah, it was pretty cool today. In front of the Capitol, I was just over there, and I saw what they had, that big Tesla semi, and they had a Nikola semi. So, yeah, they're there, right? You know, we have hydrogen, we have electric trucks. It uh, looks the capabilities there. But, yeah, what's the incentive for one of these companies to switch out their diesel rig to one of these new ones? Well, number one, CARB already has, um, the California Air Resource Board mm-hmm. already has by 2045, you need to be off of, um, you need to have a cleaner truck. Right. 2045. 2045. Okay. And, um, but what I'm saying is this, you have until 2030, if you want to be on Inland Empire streets, 
you can stay on the 10 freeway if you mm-hmm. want. You can stay on the 60 freeway on your on, if you want. And you can go right through the Inland Empire. But right. if you want to get off the freeway, you can't be on diesel anymore by 2030. Right. That's something you see in Europe, right? They have these cities. Yeah, you can't have any. You have buffer zones. Right. Right. And if you have a dirty vehicle, right, you have to stop, tramp, switch over, right? right. Switch those goods over to something cleaner so you can move, go f- even mm. further. We need to be doing that. Right. Right. Because if not, we're exploiting the people of the Inland Empire so that we can have cushy lives. Right. And so we need to understand when we are not willing to do things, what does that really mean about us mm-hmm. as human beings? Right. Somebody pays, right? Yep. Somebody pays. There's always a price to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, housing has been a big issue for a long time. It seems to really be kind of creating a head. Uh, can you kind of talk about housing in your district and kind of uh, the issues there and kind of how to make housing more affordable? Uh, well, I moved into my district because of affordability. Uh, I was able to purchase my first home uh, in Moreno Valley in the district. And it was because of the affordability. Mm -hmm. And what year was this? 2011, 2010. So the question, could you you afford your same home today that you did? Well, this is the 12 years ago. Over 2,000 square feet, Uh four bedroom, two story in a homeowners association mm-hmm. with a pool and a jacuzzi. Yeah, sounded pretty nice. $250,000. In 2011. In 2011. Yeah. That's about a $600,000 house now. <laughs> right? So the question becomes this. The Inland Empire has always been known as the last stop of affordability. Mm-hmm. After that, you're going to have to leave the state. Yeah, what's the next town? Yeah. Right? Right? Now you have Coachella after that. Yeah. And then and that's more expensive, right? Because that's more expensive festival. now. Right. Yep. So you go there. And then after that, it used to be Blythe, but they're shutting down that prison. Are they? Oh, yeah. Wow, in the desert. They're shutting out that prison. And then after that, what's that? Arizona. Bullhead City. Right. Arizona. Yeah. So you have to go to Arizona. That's the next step. So if we don't get it right now, future generations. And when I mean by future, I just mean the next generation. People in high school right now cannot afford to buy a house. In their own community. How far is your house to Arizona? It is four hours away. Oh, so it's so pretty far. <laughs> wow. Four hours away. How long does it take you to drive across your district from one end to the other? Uh, 45 minutes oh, to an hour. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45 minutes to an hour. So not too bad. But overall, what's important to understand um, is that I'm a first generation Californian. Mm. My mom from Texas, my dad from Mississippi a part of one of the great black migrations to South Central L.A. They don't call it South Central anymore, but um, they met in high school and then they moved us out of L.A. to the Inland Empire. We're part of that migration pattern for Mm African-Americans. And unfortunately, I'm the first Californian, uh, first generation Californian, but the way things are going, I might also be the last generation too, right? I mean, that's how... Horrible, our um, cost of living has become now. So where else is there to go, right? Where else is there to go for someone, a family who's only making fifty, sixty thousand dollars right. a year? And so I think this is a big moral question, which is why my first bill was AB eleven um, to create a commission on how to make California affordable again. 
How did you get one of the top 20 bills? Um, Was I, it hard to get AB 11? No, not no? really. I mean, you, you just have to come in understanding what you want. Yeah. You <laughs> uh, wanted 11 specifically? No. No, 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 no. I didn't want 11 specifically, but on the day that I was sworn in, mm-hmm. I, I made sure I had a bill to introduce. And I wanted to make sure that my bi- first bill represented the struggles of everyday people and making sure that they understand that the legislature sees them, mm-hmm. hears their struggle. And one thing, uh, one statement that I've always made since the campaign is, it's not okay for you just to survive. You deserve to thrive. Mm-hmm. And too many Californians are just surviving right now. Um, and it's not okay. Yeah, keeping our head down. You know, it was interesting. We just had this huge, uh, you know, they released the unemployment numbers every month. We mm-hmm. just had this huge spike in, in, you know, people getting jobs. Like they added 500,000. They only thought we were going to add 150,000. Mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering how many of these people are like just like not 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 employed before and getting new jobs. Or having these people are like getting second jobs and third jobs just to well, afford absolutely. to live. But not only that, how many people were out of the market, right? But then because after a while they stopped counting you, mm-hmm. right? And then going back into the market. Right. I appreciate this new generation. They're not just gonna accept any job anymore. Right. They're saying if you ain't gonna pay me right, if you ain't gonna treat me right. A lot of them are saying, if you if I can't work from home, <laughs> then, right. then I don't want no job, yeah. right? Which has caused people to understand the value of workers, right? And so I think that overall, um, it's just a testament that people are willing to work. People want to work, but they don't want to be mistreated and underpaid and undervalued as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's well put. Um, so, you know, kind of you're new up here in Sacramento. Uh, kind of, you know, who's your desk mate and kind of where are you sitting on the uh, assembly floor? <laughs> well, um, interesting enough, my seat mate is the speaker. Oh, wow. And is that a good thing? Are you in like the, the bad boys corner or no? <laughs> you know. <laughs> How often is Anthony in his desk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to answer every question you ask me. <laughs> it was a nice try, though. Um but one thing I'll say this, the speaker has been very good to me yeah. and I appreciate, I think people don't appreciate enough uh, the thought that he puts into every decision that he makes, mm-hmm. the level of humility he has for himself um, and how much he's willing to invest in people who are willing to work hard in this job, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm eternally grateful for um, the support he's given me to be able to hit the ground running. Um, And I appreciate him saying that he's willing to sit with me every day if he had to. (laughs) Um, And uh, we've been able to connect and I look forward to the success and to the future um, relationship that I will have uh, with the next speaker as well. Really? Any um, practical jokes or... uh Gentle hazing you've gotten on the floor yet? No hazing. No. No, no hazing. Know. You know, we're more progressive. We don't do stuff right. like that. Um, but I I think that, of course, a lot of jokes. Everyone, at least they think they have a sense of humor <laughs> and they think they're funny. <laughs> Me right. included. Right. Um, but I, I think I, I, I love working with mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
And I'm not just talking about my Democratic colleagues. I'm talking about my Republican colleagues, too. I mean, the new class has come up. We really appreciate each other. Looking forward to learn from each other and understand. I mean, a part of democracy, we're not all supposed to agree. Right. If there is no disagreement, then I don't think our policies are good enough. Yeah, it's kind of like a like a high school or college class. You know, you guys all came in together. Where there's twenty some of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of what kind of stuff have you guys done? Have you guys done you know dinners or events together? Kind of get to know each other and kind of absolutely. Actually, we're about to have another secrets. one coming up pretty soon uh, to check in with each other. Um, and I think the biggest question for this incoming class because there will not be since the speakers class. We're the biggest class that there's ever been um, since the speaker's class. And so I think our big question for our time up here is, are we okay with how Sacramento is run? Mm. Are we okay with the culture? Are we okay with the practices and traditions? Because whether good or bad, it's a reflection of us as a new class, right? And so those are the questions that I continue to bring up with my colleagues and we have discussions about. Let's figure out how this place works first. Right. But then we need to come together and say, are we okay with that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you guys are coming in, you're new, and we're kind of coming into this kind of new period, right? We're kind of, we've had a two-year reset with COVID and everything and Mm -hmm. things are trying to go back to normal. The question is, you know, should they, you know? Well, I mean, and you have the perfect uh, my, opportunity to kind of bring absolutely. that up. Absolutely, honestly, I don't think that um, back to normal was the, the normal was so great. E- after all, mm-hmm. I think the idea is how do we make something better? Right. Uh, how do we set the next trend and reset the moral core of the state? Um, and it starts with us on how we operate and treat each other in the legislature. No, no, well put. Well, Corey, thanks so much for joining us. Definitely learned a lot. Absolutely. Laughed a lot. Yeah, uh, definitely yeah, yeah. think you are funny, so, you know. Hey, I tried to do a little something. <laughs> definitely a good chat, and uh, look forward to see what you're able to accomplish this year. All right. Thank you for having All me. Right. Appreciate awesome, it. Man. Thanks.